Welcome everyone to the Transformation Nurse Academy podcast. This is our weekly episode, Talk with Kevin, where we cover topics for all nursing fields with extra emphasis on emergency and critical nursing. Get ready for candid discussions that explore the vast landscape of nursing and beyond. Welcome, bitches, to the Transformation Nurse Academy podcast. I have here Amy Arlen. She's the board of directors for the CNA. And if you can see on her shirt, she's also part of the National Nurses United. So, Amy, how did you first become involved in nursing and what inspired you to take on the role of union representative? Nursing actually wasn't my first choice. I was a pre-med student and was 17 and was pregnant with my first child. And in my very first class at a private university college, the professor told me women didn't belong in his class unless we were there to take our nursing biology classes. And I told him I was a pre-med student to be a doctor. And he said, nah, I don't think so. He ended up, he flunked me and I moved to nursing school. Did he really flunk you? Yes, he did. Oh, that's some bullshit. So wait a minute, I gotta back up because you said Unless you took biology classes, you should have told me you already knew biology because you were pregnant. And look, 17, you just told me don't take away your naivety, but look, (laughs) I'm very savvy, Amy. I'm very savvy. All right. So can you share some insights into the current state of unionization among healthcare professionals nationally? Nationally right now, I think nurses have had enough and they are calling us up asking us to help them and give them the tools that they need to get the union in their workplace. We've had hospitals like a very small hospital with only 90 nurses in Northern Maine that just recently joined. We've had people from South Carolina, Texas, Wichita, Kansas, New Orleans, Louisiana. Mm -hmm. A hospital in New Orleans is the very first hospital to join a union in the South. So it is. We've taken the summer of the union and just spread it, and and that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to give people the tools that they need. The union is not some third party that can come in and fix your workplace for you. You have to bring it. So let me ask you this, though. Have you heard about the recent issues in Massachusetts with those hospitals going bankrupt? There's like, I don't remember the name of the organization, but it's like a corporation of hospitals, but there's like three or four that are on the brink of bankrupts. What do you think about that? Here's the thing. They say that they're bankrupt, but have you seen this gobbling up, right, of smaller hospitals that are supposedly struggling, hurting, but most of them are rural hospitals or they're hospitals in low-income neighborhoods. These big corporate healthcare organizations are buying them up and closing them on purpose. It's a way to bottleneck all of those patients, the ones that they want, right? They can pick and choose their patients then and send them in an ambulance to the nicer hospital, the newer facility, the one that has all of the tech and the latest innovations. But what they're really doing is taking healthcare away from the poorest people that need it the most. Like the one here in Madeira? Like the one here in Madeira that was done intentionally, yeah. Yeah. All right, so what are the key challenges that nurses and healthcare professionals face in the absence of a union? The key challenge in an absence of the union is that The nurses do not have the skills that they need to collectively organize. I mean, the only way that you push back on anything when it's wrong in your workplace is collectively all getting together and saying, here's the issue. You've got to fix it and you've got to go to the management who's responsible for that. Without that union organization and help and support, nurses just don't have the tools they need to make that happen in a non-union organization. Even though they do have the power, they just don't know how to use it. 
I'm going to talk about that because one of the things I think you don't really notice is the union. They, when you talk about the tools, they go through probably people like you who are in charge and the people who have time, they go through the nurse practice act and the rules and the regulations, and then they can put them in a format that nurses at the bedside that are part of the union can use now. Cause before right now, nurses don't have a clue. Cause have you seen the nurses practice act and the title 22, like it's all spread out. Right. And nobody geeks like me read that shit, but most nurses, the average nurse doesn't have time to read it or maybe the desire. And so they're kind of lost in what they can and can't do and can't say. So I get that. All right. So in your experience, how has unionizing local hospitals positively impact the working conditions for nurses and healthcare staff and patients? Well, you think about it. If a hospital decides or the group of nurses inside of a hospital decide that they want to talk to the union, immediately what happens is, you know, everybody suddenly starts getting raises. You get pizza parties. They start throwing these little bonuses at you saying, here, you don't want the union. And that should automatically just send off all of those red flags that that's exactly why you want them there. But what it does, even if the union doesn't come in, think about here in Fresno, especially in our own backyard, there's only one unionized hospital and five hospitals that are not. What do those other hospitals have to do to maintain their competitiveness and to keep the nurses there? They've got to raise, you know, their pay. They've got to make it a better place to work. They have to do something to compete with that one union hospital or that one union hospital is going to poach all of their best workers because of the pay. Yeah, but I don't think that's worked out as quite as well as we think because it's hard for one, it's hard to get into Kaiser here. And two, all these other hospitals haven't really raised their rates that much. I, I'm not going to mention names or anything, but there is a local hospital. She works in a step-down unit, and she says they're always overguided until state comes in. Once state comes in, then they're back in the ratios. So that's what I told her. I said, then why is that when state's there, they're magically in ratios, but when state leaves, they're not? And I said, that's because you as a nurse, and I don't mean you, Amy, but her as the nurse won't speak up and say, I'm not doing that shit. Right. You know, we have enforceable law here in California. And, you know, it's just like speeding on a highway. We know that there are laws against it. But, you know, if you're in a hurry and you got places to be and things to do, you're going to break that law a little bit. Everyone does. And what happens is it's only when the cop pulls you over and enforces that law that you're in trouble. It's the right. same with ratios, right? We have a ratio law there. And every single hospital, not just Kaiser because it's union, Every hospital is supposed to uphold those ratios, regardless. They're going to lie and tell you they have a waiver, but you as the nurse have a license to protect that patient, and you have a law that you're supposed to be enforcing. Right. If your ratio is one nurse to four, and by the way, ratios are nurse to patient. So you say the nurse part first, then you say the patient part. So if you have one nurse to four patients, but you, the nurse, are taking five or six or seven Who's making you do that? Is it your fear of management? Is it your fear of losing your job? Is it your fear of killing one of those five, six, seven people? Because guess what happens when they come for your license? You had a law that you were supposed to enforce and that law was you do not let them break that ratio. The entire time during the pandemic at Kaiser, it was not because we were union that we didn't violate those ratios. We enforced it. Even in a pandemic, we made them stick to those ratios. Yeah, but they had waivers. <laughs> yeah, well, let me tell you about those waivers. They were stapled up 60 feet high up on a, like a, on a tower that you had to climb a ladder to see, and then you're violating all of the safety you know, laws. Is so that yeah, true? Is that, true? Is, that, 
Is that really true? Is that true? Yes. I loved it. That is a true story. I had to tell you, I have pictures of it. They even put it on Kai's letterhead instead it. of hey, the state. Hey, Amy, you're, Amy, you got your waiver. It's just up there about uh, 60 feet in the sky. And you have to yeah. get the ladder, which is out inside in the connex way down the road. <laughs> yeah, but they got their waiver, and I told them they had to put it on paper. So they did. They printed it, it on paper, and I they posted it. I love that shit. <laughs> Uh, I know it's not funny now, but I mean, it wasn't funny then, but it's fucking funny now. It is. It's hilarious. People don't believe this stuff. They think it's made up story, but it's not. All right. So are there any specific examples of where the union has successfully advocated for improved benefits or policies for healthcare professionals? I think the one that I'm most proud of, and it's the most recent one that I can give you an example of, is we spent years trying to get a law passed here in California about surgical plume smoke. And what, what a danger it is. And I'm telling you, I had to go to Sacramento, I think, seven years in a row to go talk to these people and bang my head against that brick wall to make them understand how simple of a fix it was. All they had to do was make a law and tell the hospital, go get the equipment and put it in place. And guess what? Magically, this year, we finally got it. And so, so now every hospital has to put the equipment in their operating rooms to clear the surgical plume from burning human tissue that makes all of us nurses in that operating room sick. So not that it's it's a kind of a moot point, but it's just a curiosity of mine. Is a equipment that expensive? It doesn't matter if it's expensive no, or no, not. I know, that's it. I, know yeah. it's, I, I know that, but I'm, I'm just Is me personally. Yes, it's expensive. Right. I'm sure that that's exactly going to be the pushback from the hospital industry. Is that now they're going to say, well, it's too expensive and we can't afford it right now. So we're going to try to, you know, push it yeah, off a right. little bit. Right, delay Right. That's what I'm wondering, because, you know, I'm, I'm wondering what it costs and if that's going to be the reason they use to say, you know, they don't mm -hmm. want to do that. So yeah. the rest of you got homework, surgical plumes. Even I've never heard of that, but I'm going to look that shit up now. All right. So what advice would you give to the nurses considering the possibility of unionizing their workplace? Call me. That's advice number one. Or call anybody that works at a union facility and start asking questions, because you got to understand. Your boss has you captive 8, 10, 12 hours a day under a dome. You're in, under the cone of silence. They're not going to let anybody from the union come in and talk like to you. That. Why is that? Because obviously they don't want you getting information from me, right? They only want you to hear the one side of it. And so if you want information on what the union is all about, go to the nationalnursesunited.org website. You can go to calnurses.org website, which is our state branch. And yeah, reach out, call somebody, go look online. There are resources there for you to ask your questions. Which website did you want them to go to? Nationalnursesunited.org. National. All one word. Nationalnursesunited.org. Or you can go to California. HTTPS, I'm sure. Probably. And watch this. Just for you. Look at that right here. Look at there. Look at that. Boom. Right there. Check it out. Out. Look, it's yeah. scrolling. NationalNursesUnited.org. There you go. Yes, all that right, is cool. the umbrella organization that will help you get all of the tools that you need to organize in your facility. All right. So how does the union address concerns related to workload, job security, and fair compensation for nurses? Well, with workload, we have a tool that we call an ADO, Assignment Despite Objection, which is a legal document admissible in court, by the way, that we do in triplicate or quadruplicate. So there's many copies of it. But it's not just documenting, because you know as a nurse, if you don't document it, it didn't happen, right? 
So that is what that form is for, is it triggers right then the second you start that form to say, hey, management, we got a problem here. This workload is not right. Either this nurse is getting smashed with their assignment while I'm sitting here doing a whole lot of nothing but twiddling my thumbs, right? And we need to fix that. Or there's not enough of us. You need more of us on the floor helping out with these patients. If they don't, if they do fix the problem and they get you the staff you need, well, then you tear up your form and you go about your merry way. 99% of the time, you do not get what you need. And you continue documenting on that form, the time, the date, who you notified. And we have a chain of command. You call up to the next level and say, hey, we still don't have what we need. We're drowning here. Help us out. And then if by the end of the shift, you still don't get what you need, you file that form with your PPC, which is a professional practice committee of nurses at the bedside in your hospital representing on the floor levels. You get to go fight with management and say, hey, look, We've got 20 of these from the same floor this month. What's going on? This is a trend. You need to do something. If they still don't do anything, well, then you take it to an escalation, which is what you can do in a union. You get to take action right, and do something. You take it to? Because this was a question I asked last time is, is the ADO legally binding? And it may be legally binding for the nurse in the hospital, but if a patient were to die, God forbid, or get hurt, and we subpoenaed the ADO, is it really going to make a difference in court? Is it going to help protect the nurse's license? And that was a question I was asked from a legal expert. Yes. Because I'm is- not going to argue with you because I'm not a union person. I've never worked in a union. I didn't even know what an ADO was until you brought her. But she's saying that the ADO is not going to help us in court. But I don't know that to be true. We've used it. I mean, and I don't say court. When you work in a union shop, what we do is arbitration, which is the legal path that we have. I get that, but that's for the nurses to the hospital. But what if a patient was harmed or killed and you guys had to go to court, would the ADO help us in court? Yeah, the nurse can supply a copy of that ADO if they kept their copy to uh, say, hey, look, this has the name of the yeah. manager that I reported so, to. So this has the name points. of the director that I called at 1 a.m. Uh, and, and reported to. This has the name of every nurse on it that was there that shift. So you can call and subpoena them to testify. So yeah, I think yeah. it's a pretty strong document. Okay. All right. It also has the copies of the Title 22 language on the very backside of it for the nurse to go by and quote the law that protects them. Yeah, yeah. I like that. See, I didn't know that you got to keep a copy of it as a nurse. That's good. I we like keep that. it in what we call the forever file. Every nurse at my hospital has a file in their filing cabinet that they keep those. Yeah, because, you know, if it gets lost forever. somewhere magically, yeah, because if it gets lost magically somewhere. <laughs> then like in a, in a shredder or, <laughs> yeah, they change bosses and they carry their whole case okay. of them out with yeah. them, yeah. All right, I got that. Well, at least you and get the, the union copy. keeps a copy on file, too. The PPC keeps a copy forever, and so the union actually has archives of these. All right, All right. that's fair enough. That's good. All right, so can you elaborate on the collaborative efforts between the National Nurses Union and the local chapters? to address industry-wide issues. So what is the NNU doing to help us nationwide? And I I don't want to spoil it, but we talked about this last time. Well, local chapter would be what I am. I am the board of directors for California Nurses Association. That falls under the NNU? It falls under the NNU umbrella, right? The NNU is our national affiliation, and NNU actually also belongs to the AFL-CIO. So we are with all of the other labor unions in the United States, too. There was something you told me last time that you also went where? Oh, yeah. In October, we had the Global Nurses United Conference. We actually have, I think, more than 25 countries that now participate in our global umbrella. 
and we had delegates that came from all of those countries and it was actually during the october 7th bombing in gaza that we had some of our delegates from those countries that had to emergently leave the delegation but it was really an eye-opener to find out how nurses actually come together and try to fight for their nursing practice and their patients in other countries where unions don't exist. Right. Well, we have a hard time here getting unions to exist because people are afraid or they, they get put into the cone of silence. I like that. That was, I'm going to use that one now. It's true, though. It's true. They, they're so scared. Like this person I've been talking to, they're so scared. Like, don't tell anybody offline because I don't want to get fired or get in trouble and stuff. So they got people so intimidated to speak up. You know, well, and there's, there's horror stories because it has happened, right, in other facilities in the area that have tried in the past. And so they use those, what I call urban legends, and the employers perpetuate that. Like, you know, don't even try it. You saw what happened the last time. Look at what happened right. over there at uh, that one hospital that I think you work at now <laughs> that no, we've tried you. three times, well, right? I know a person who works for a union hospital who got to beat the shit out of and went through the ringer themselves. Yeah. Is that not I true? Know one of those. I know right. one of those. Could have become a hater, but instead became a Yeah, yeah. I got you. All right. So what role does a union play in negotiating contracts to ensure fair and equitable terms for healthcare professionals? Well, again, hi, it's me. I'm the problem. It's me. <laughs> Since we're talking Taylor Swift today on football, because I actually have, I've been the person elected at my facility for the last 10 years to negotiate that contract for our nurses. And what that means is that each facility has a representative that is picked by the nurses in that hospital. Usually it's the loudest voice. It's the one that causes the most trouble, but every hospital has a nurse sitting at, across the table from these executives. And they we actually do a survey for all of our nurses and try to get as many of them to fill it out as possible so that we are actually right. speaking their language and we're speaking about what they want. So when I collect 800 surveys from my nurses and I look at the top three or four problems that the collective has told me that they want me to fight for, when I go to that table, that's what I'm speaking to. Right. You just said 800 nurses, but I'm sure that place that you work at has more than 800 nurses. Well, yeah, we have roughly 800 just at the Kaiser Fresno facility, but I'm actually, for the whole entire region altogether, no, we have no, about no. two. I'm just, I was surprised that there's only 800 nurses here locally, but I thought there would be more. I just want to make sure that every nurse is taking the damn survey and speaking the voice and not just, because, you know, some nurses are lazy. They hang back and see what other people say because they don't want to cause trouble. And you know what I mean? Like, I don't like that. Well, like, and just because I've been there for 22 years doesn't mean that I know what you want. I need you right. to fill out that survey and tell me because last year you might have said that, you know, a raise was important. This year it might be your pension that's important. Right. Wait a minute, hold on. You just said that you've been there 20 years and you don't know what people want. Did you just admit that women can't read mine? <laughs> All right, I got that on recording right there and shit. I like that. All right, so have you observed any notable changes in patient care outcomes in overall hospital environments after the implementation of a union in a healthcare setting? So does it really help patient outcomes? Because that's the new thing now. Now the new evidence is coming out saying that unions really don't make a change or patient nurse rate, nurse to patient ratios really don't make a change in patient care outcomes. That's what they're pushing now. Yeah, well, I think that we have about 20 years of data collected here in the state of California alone that proves that since we implemented mandatory ratios, I think it was like we actually got it in the late 1990s, didn't get it right. fully implemented until about 2005. But right. since then, Mortality has dropped. 
remarkably central line infections, you know, all of these metrics that hospitals follow to try to prove that we do a better job, that our patients are safer and better taken care of are in right. hospitals where ratios are upheld. We so went why, in my ICU five years in a row with not a single central line infection. And that was because the nurses and management worked together to fix the problems. So why do you think the new, I mean, I already know this is a rhetorical question, but why do you think the new push is that these nurse to patient ratios don't work in patient outcomes? Because admitting that means that they have to hire nurses. Right. And <laughs> right now, nurses. You know, there's this whole nursing shortage right now that everyone's heard of, right? We actually have proof that there are over a million nurses actually with a registered nurse license that are not working at the bedside at all and, and implementing the license right now because of the working conditions. Well, I tell nurses, we got 5 million nurses American-wide, 5 million. And I don't know if you know the organization that they went on strike, the, the uh, union workers for the car industry. Last UAW. Year. Yeah, they, have, they only had like five or 600,000 members. Mm -hmm. and they shut the whole auto industry down. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. We got five million, and we can't even fuck a fart at the same time. Like, I don't get that. Like, why can't we, as one voice, with five million people, like, imagine if we spoke as one, how much power we would have. And so imagine how much fear, because of the yeah. fear, because we are not building cars, we're saving human beings' lives, supposedly. Oh, and if we shut down our more, industry, if we shut down important. the whole industry, who's going to be there to take care of the patients? That, that's not my fucking problem. Look at me. I love my patients, but that's not my problem. If you really cared, and I don't mean you, Amy, but if you really cared, you sons of bitches, then you would fix the nurse's situation and we would never have to shut down the whole industry. But you use that as a tool to your advantage to scare us. But it's not my problem. How does the union support professional development and educational opportunities for nurses within the healthcare system? Built into every single one of our contracts, education is key because we know that Ongoing continuous education for nurses is the only way that we keep up with this healthcare system and what it's trying to do to our profession. They right. would love to replace every single one of us with a machine, with a computer, with AI technology. Look at all of the robot stuff that is slowly replacing us. You get doc in a yeah. box instead of a real doctor, you know? You don't right. get to actually sign in anymore with a real secretary. They want you to like just touch the little computer pad. They're removing the human beings from healthcare, and you cannot have healthcare without human beings in it. Well, they've already started replacing housekeeping with robots who clean the hospitals. Security robots. Security robots in Japan, which I imagine they have them here too. I just haven't seen them yet. But oh, in yeah, Japan, we have them in LA. They look like little Daleks from Doctor Who running around the parking lot. All you had to no, do was stick a post-it note on the camera to, to blind them. No, 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 but this is uh, in Japan. They have robot nurses who take care of the patients and lift patients. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, and then, you know, in most hospitals now, they have tele-strokes. You're having a stroke, your camera comes up and the doctor's looking at you. Exactly. Through a camera. Through you a know, camera. I, yeah, so, I mean. And so the nurse, all we do now is adjust the camera for the doctor. <laughs> Are we back to be in the handmaidens again? Oh, yeah, the cart doesn't move that way. So move your doc in a box over to the left. I can't see exactly, the patient. Exactly. That's what, what I'm taking That's care of that. <laughs> That's exactly what I did the other day with my stroke patient. They say, hey, can you tell the patient to move with the left hand? I'm like, you're on the fucking camera. Why don't you tell her? She can hear your ass. I mean, if I'm doing the assessment, do I get paid for this shit? Like, I'm not the damn doctor, but exactly what it was. It was crazy. I don't know how that's accurate care. Because if a nurse did that, what would happen to us? Ugh. Right. See? You know what happens. <laughs>
<laughs> you know what happens. I know what would happen. That's right. All right. So since we're on the education, I do want to talk about this because it's one thing I love about Kaiser is they have like programs where if you're an MA, they'll send you to LVN school. If you're LVN, they'll send you to RN school. Not only do they pay your pay, they pay for the damn school. So what other facilities in the Valley do that? That's what I love about it. I just shouldn't say Kaiser. The union is the one that writes it in the contract. I know it's going to make you crazy because I said that. No, no, no. It doesn't make it crazy. <laughs> Look, her fucking veins belgian from her eyes because I keep using the K word instead of the U word. <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason why is because the way I look I at it is that a lot of those hospitals that are pushing the clinical ladder right now, as we call it, they really want to push those advanced degrees. And a lot of that really has nothing to do with anything other than either the hospitals trying to gain magnet status or it's a debt trap. And that's the other thing that the union okay. tries to avoid, right? Because they lure you in by saying, oh, yeah, we're going to help pay for school. Well, they don't pay for all of it. They only right. pay for some of it, which really is right. nothing for them because it's peanuts. But for you going into debt, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 for the next four years, for what? You're not going to get a promotion at the end of this. And They'll dangle it in front of you that, yes, they have a job for you. But then we've had so many nurses that have fallen for that trap and gone back to school to get their NP license or their master's for some reason right. because they were lured into the idea that they were going to get some kind of better job, higher right. pay, or that being a magnet hospital was going to somehow ma magically make life better for them. And now they've got these great big, huge debts that now they've got to try to get reimbursement from a national reimbursement right. company that they've third partied to. Well, so it's not, it's the, not all that, fun the games. That is helps the hospital because it helps them get more funding, but it doesn't really do much for it the It doesn't nurse. trickle down. It doesn't trickle do you think down. It trickles that's down true. No. no. Cause I have, that's one of my biggest things. I won't mention the school, but I'm very, very passionate about this. It's a private school. All the LVNs go to it. They spend 30, 40 grand and they all tell me the same thing. I feel like I taught myself. But then mm -hmm. some of them get suckered into going to the RN program in the same school. They wind up out of school with $100,000 in debt. I'm like, you're never going to pay that shit off. No, like, it's indentured servitude. Yeah, you are like, now strapped to a debt and you are a slave to your job. You can never enjoy the work you do if that's the case. Right. You're always going to be working to pay off that debt. Right. Because you're going to work more to pay off the debt, and then you're going to go on vacation, and you didn't pay the debt, so now you owe more debt. Like, it's a vicious cycle and stuff. It is it a really cycle, is. and they do. So many of us get stuck in it, especially if they start gigging you out, right? Gig work. Right. If, you, if you're having to work two or three jobs just to pay all of those bills, that's gig work, right? Not just that, but then you're not paying attention what the fuck's going on in the rest of the world, and then you're about to get fucked. Yes. I know. And it makes I it a whole lot easier to target nurses that way. Yeah, I tell people that, but they they don't listen to me because I'm a dude. Maybe they'll listen to you. <laughs> All right, so it's true, though. All right, so what challenges have you encountered in advocating for unionization, and how have you overcome them? I already know this answer, but... <laughs> no, I'm going to give you some fun stories. I'm going to give you some that you probably have never oh. heard. All right. I was trying to unionize a major hospital on the East Coast in the city of Baltimore. I won't tell you the name of this prestigious yes, hospital, but they actually captured a picture of me somehow when I was visiting their cafeteria and put it up at all of the security desks throughout this whole entire major campus. So I actually had a mug shot in Baltimore. <laughs> I need a fucking copy of this. Yeah, I need a copy of this so we can post it. I wish it. I could have gotten my hands on it because that was cool. And then 
And then there was another time that I was trying to help out a hospital in LA area. I won't name it. It was a Catholic healthcare system that we were trying to organize. And they actually put my face on a poster and said, Fresno doesn't matter. Oh, and that, that one I actually <laughs> kept and I have it laminated somewhere at the office because what they were saying was we had fought for equal pay for equal work. Right. I don't know if anyone remembers, but way back in the day, if you worked here in the Central Valley, you got paid like okay. I, a I started at, Yeah, I started at like 15 or 16 bucks an hour when I first moved to the Valley. Right. And I had, and like I had 10 patients each. Yeah, I had 10 patients or more. Right. And so what yeah. we fought for over the decades was if if I do the same exact job in my OR for Kaiser here as an OR in San Francisco does, and my patient has to pay the same premiums for their health care here as they do at that San Francisco hospital, how come I don't get paid the same? And so it, 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 it took us about 20 years of contract negotiations, but we got equal pay for equal work. Because the cost of living in San Francisco is more expensive than here, so you don't deserve that pay. That's what they tried to tell us, but we got rid of tier cases. <laughs> Of course, that's what they're going to tell us. Mm -hmm. But if, if we're dumb enough to believe it, then I don't know. Sometimes I feel like we deserve what we get because we won't speak the hell up. Yeah. It's a true story. I got 16 bucks an hour, maybe 15, but it wasn't more than 16. And I had 10 patients on med surge. Sometimes they'd push it to 17. And when I would complain to my supervisor, I'm like, 17 seems an awful lot. And he would say, you're too young of a nurse. Just shut up and go back to work. When I started off in Kentucky, I was making $11 an hour oh, with my yeah. bachelor's degree in the year 2000. Well, if you that go wasn't to... that long ago. And I had 25 patients with one care tech or one LVN to help me, you know, pass meds or bathe my patients. But yeah, one nurse to 25. So when I got <laughs> one to eight, when I got moved here to California, you I made a lot of right. dollars. I think people don't realize this. Even today, it's 2024. If you go to these other states, and I don't know this for a fact because I haven't talked to people in a while, but I would bet money on it. If you go to Florida, Texas, Louisiana, all these southern states, I guarantee that nurses are probably in the RNs, even with the bads, are probably not making more than 25 bucks an hour. Nope. That's probably the top pay there. And I don't know that. So if you are from those areas, share it because I can almost guarantee that that's what they're still getting paid today. And they don't have ratios. Like sometimes in ICU, they're taking one to three, one to four and getting shit paid. Mm -hmm. And so I get it. All right. So are there specific legislative or policy initiatives that the nurses union is currently focused on to improve working conditions for healthcare professionals? Oh, there's other, than, so other than the surgical plume one, did you, are you working on anything else? Well, we're working on a national ratios law. Well, that's what I was talking about. That's the one that they're pushing back saying that ratios don't work. That's why you're right. getting all this pushback. Well, in the hospital industry, it's going to say, well, you know, if we have to hire all of those nurses, how are we going to be able to afford health care? It's already so expensive because they blame the labor expense on us. You know, that we are what costs people. But the ratios law is one of them. The other one that we are working on is the VA Employee Fairness Act so that our VA nurses that we represent. And yes, we have public sector nurses in our union that those VA nurses, the government does not give them the same rights that they give to private sector nurses like me working in a private sector shop like Kaiser. They're not allowed to negotiate for things like wages and their pensions and things like that. The government just spells it out. This is the way it's going to be, whether you have a contract or not. And so we're working that's, on fixing that. That's because it's a, they're, they're called GS jobs and GS jobs are tiered. 
and GS jobs have been around forever. If you're GS1 up to, I think, 13, whatever tier you are, you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like being in the military. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're also working you're on trying, another, another Is that what you're trying to work on, though? Is that what you mean? You're trying to work on that? Yes. For nurses? Yeah. I got you. Uh, the VA, well, I'm supportive of my VA nurses in our no, in I got our, you. But that's mm-hmm. the whole principle behind what you're trying to do is to allow them to negotiate through those tiers, even though they're a GS job. Right. All right. Good luck with um, that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough one. The PRO Act, which is our right to organize, right? is one of the biggest laws that we are pushing and we've been working on it for quite a while, which combats the right to work in a lot of states that are at will. Wait, wait, wait. Don't we have a right to unionize and speak up? We don't have that right? Is that what you're telling me? There are a lot of states that do not have that right at all. They're called right to work states. And it means that you're, you can have a union if you want one, but it's voluntary. You don't have to belong to one. You don't even have to pay dues if you don't want to. So it's a way to undermine the union altogether so that it's not really your right to work. It's their right to take your work for less. So is California, because California is an at-will state. You can get fired anytime you want in California, believe it or not. They can force you to do overtime in California. Did you know that? I did, unless you belong to a union shop because it's it's not a right to work state. Right. At-will is one thing. Right to work so is... what's the difference? Now, now you're going to educate me because what is oh. the difference between an at-will state and a right to work state? What the fuck is the difference? I know, but if I don't know, I'm a smart son of a bitch, but if I don't know, then I'm sure most people don't know that shit, but maybe I'm just a dummy. Well, think of it this way. If you're an at-will mm-hmm. employee, it's kind of like all your managers, middle management, you know. If you work for a company and you are at-will, that means that they can fire you for whatever reason they deem necessary. It doesn't have to be for any specific reason. Right. And, and so, at the same time, I can fucking quit for any reason. I don't got to give them a two-week notice. I can no, just walk the fuck no. away. Right. And that's the difference is because if you belong to a union shop, they cannot just fire you because they feel like it because they want to right. downsize or because they're closing a unit or a department. They right. have to have a reason. It's called justification or just culture. There must be a reason for them to fire you. And then you have a whole entire legal right, you know, to bring in your union rep and say, I need to know why I'm in trouble. It's okay. a full and fair investigation. Those are some of the other perks and benefits you get from being in a union shop. So versus a right to work, is that the right to work state? What's a right yes. to work state do? Right to work state. Those are the states where even if you are protected by a union, they have the right to make you work. How's that even possible if you got a union that they, because, that they can make? <laughs> it's because in look, some states. We don't give a fuck about your union. We're going to get your ass back to work and shut up. Is that exactly. what you're me? Yes, exactly. And the thing is, is that you're not even required to pay your union dues in those right yeah. to work states. So, I mean, imagine how hard it is if you have a group of people trying to organize and fight in your, in your workshop to make things safe for you. But they're told, you know, you don't have to pay your union dues. Those people have to work pro bono. And so, I mean, if no one puts any money into supporting you, how are you going to get those safety and health things met? The union's not going to stay around very longer. No, it's just a way to completely deflate them and take any collective power away you have. I get that. Yeah, I get that. That's crazy. All right. So you're working on legislation to fix that. Yes, in many states. Yeah, what, what about the ones that are going to say, well, you're forcing me to be in the union? Well. I know, but you know that's what people are going to say. Right. I'm just because, being honest. That's, 
I'm that, working here, Amy. I don't want to be in the fucking union. Fuck you. I know. And no. there are places that are called open shop and closed shop. And look, I'm a closed shop union. That means that in order to work at my hospital, you have to belong to a union. If right. you're a nurse, you belong to the nurses union. If you work in environmental services, you belong to a service industry union, right? But you have to belong to one of these shops and you have to have your dues go to one of those organizations. You're just trying, trying to take my fucking money. We have all kinds of different exemptions for people who either have religious reasons for not belonging to a union organization or that they can object and just say, I don't want to pay union dues. And yet we still have to recognize them and we still have to protect them the same as everybody else. So That's there are people cool. even within my own hospital that choose not to pay dues. I got to back they up donate their, They donate them to like a charity. I got you. Okay. But they still pay the dues. They just donate. They don't pay it directly to you. They just don't pay it directly to the union. Because I was going to, I'm going to get in trouble for this one. Because, you know, you said religious exemption. What the? Jesus don't want me to fucking pay you, Amy. I mean, I don't understand. I get where you're going, though. So they don't like, this is more of a political issue. They don't like where the money, where you, the union spends the money. So they want to use that feed to somewhere else. Is that what you're saying? What I'm saying is, is that the nice thing about being part of a union is that we don't override any of your other beliefs, but we, at least there's an avenue to exempt yourself from it so that you can have your peace of mind, whether it's moral, ethical, religious, scientific, whatever your belief system is. If you cannot participate in that, we give you an exemption to that. But you're still going to pay the fucking money. You're just going to give it to somewhere else. You can send that money where you would like it to go yeah, to, okay to a charity. Mm -hmm. I, no, but I get it. I mean, it's fair because you, you can't expect unions to work for free and shit. You got people working their ass off around the clock to, to get me nice benefits and shit, and you can't expect them free. Right. I get that. I, get, I know, but that's a hard one to sell because a lot of people feel that way, that unions are just trying to get your damn money, but somebody's got to get paid to run the damn thing. Yeah. I've had nurses tell me, what do I pay you for? Because they think that they pay me to be their union rep. And let me tell you, I still do all of my union work right. pro bono. It is volunteer. It is for free. I don't earn a paycheck for being a shop store. You don't store get a bonus or anything? I get, get no bonuses. The no only thing I pay. get, I get no extra pay. The only thing the union does for me is you pay your union dues, Kevin. And now right. that we have something going on that you need somebody to go to Sacramento to go talk to these knuckleheads you'll, about you'll pay why yeah. they pay my wages so I can take the day off of work to go up there and do that for you. Fair. So that's, that's what fair. your union dues do for you. So don't quit fucking bitching that Amy gets extra money and shit. Amy don't get what, nothing. Well, she does, but it ain't what she wants. <laughs> she gets heartache and grief and shit from people. I get all that grief, yeah. Yeah, I know. So can you discuss any successful strategies or best practices for building support and engagement among nurses during the unionization process? Because, you know, this is probably the toughest thing building a union because you know you're going to get a lot of shit from outside people tonight to not help you build it yeah well this is the tough question because see the thing is building a union doesn't happen from the outside in it happens from the inside in and it only stays if people stay right. the union only continues to grow its strength if there are people there that foster it who nurture it who water the roots of it and keep it there right ask me the question again no, I got you. Well, just think about it this way. So you have a big union in Kaiser, and it's been there a while. You guys built a lot of benefits, but how does a hospital that's not Kaiser get the same things you get? Because I know nurses 
I'll ask you the question again. So it says, can you discuss any successful strategies or best practices for both building a union and engaging nurses in the unionization process? So how do you help these motherfuckers not who are not part of Kaiser to help build their union and keep their union and get the same kind of benefits and protections you guys have? Because they think that the union is going to come in and make that magically happen. That's what their thought process is. Yeah, let me ask you this. Does a code team work very well if all of the people on the code team don't know who's on the code team and if no. they have no training? Nope. Okay, Go. well, that's Go. that's what has to happen first is you have to have a core committee. You have to find your like-minded people in your hospital that want to get together. You gotta go reach somebody from the OR and one nurse from the emergency room and say, you know what, this sucks. You know, how can we make this better? And if you get that core group of nurses to come together inside the hospital and be able to say, you know what, what you're doing is wrong and we wanna talk to you about it and be able to go to the administration and say, here's our list of problems. But why won't they do that? You already know the answer, but why won't nurses do that? One, because they're not gonna get fucking paid to do it. Like you said, it's pro bono and volunteer. Two, what's going to happen when that core nurses go to the management and say, listen, bitches, we're tired of this shit. Mm -hmm. What happens to that core group of nurses? Well, if they don't stick together, they're going to get picked off one by one because it's divide and conquer. That's union busting 101. Right. And so that's why it's so important to build that core group because it's more than just a group of like-minded people. you got to be tight. You know, you have to really get to know each other and know what your department needs are, know what your family needs are, know what your patient needs are, and put those at the forefront and hold each other's hands no matter what. Because when you come together as a group, that's when you truly are terrifying to management. You're, right, but it's going to be a tough process for them. You're not intimidating, them. they're intimidated. Right, but they're gonna, it's going to be a tough process to go through. You got to admit that. It's never an easy process. And you know what? It's, it's not like the fight is over as soon as the union gets in the door, right? You think, yay, right. we won the union, and now somebody else comes in and takes over. No, you right. just won the election. Now what are you going to do? Because right. now the fight just gets started. It continues well, daily. That, that's what I tell people. They bitch, you know, oh, we don't have this. Oh, we don't do this. Then why don't you fucking step up and be the leader and shit? But people don't want to be the leader because once you get on top, what happens? You carry a big, huge target on your back. Right. And you know, there's only one way to go. <laughs> well, it's either it's up true. or out, right? <laughs> right. It's true, though. Up, up, and out, or up, up, and down. I mean, shit. Yeah. All right. So, in your opinion, what main advantages of having a union for both experienced and new healthcare professionals entering the healthcare field? How's it going to help old nurses and young nurses alike? And not just nurses. I put in healthcare professionals. I know that you guys don't. I don't think you deal with anything other than nurses, but we do. We have a whole entire yeah. branch of, the, of our union called Cheyu, which is for other staff. other ancillary staff right. and and licensed people to to actually be part of the nursing union. It's I don't just want to leave everybody. Way. Yeah, I just don't want to leave everybody out because we are a family. We are one, yeah, we are. and we don't work in a silo without each other either. Right. I'll read the question again. What main advantages of having a union? For both experienced and new healthcare professionals, what are the advantages? One of the advantages, I think, for new grads and newly trained nurses in a union environment is that we have preceptorships set up and guidelines to actually nurture our young nurses. Floating is a big deal in most hospitals, right? right? And you know that when you're at the bottom of the 
the ladder, you're always the first to get booted out of your department and you get no training. You don't get any sense of belonging that way and you can't build your confidence that way. And so within our education and mentorship part of our contracts, we make sure that we have protections for those new baby nurses, as we call them, you know, the ones that are just now trying to get their feet wet and understand and learn the nursing process and then how it protects our older nurses is that it's the more experienced nurses that will be the ones to step up and and accept the responsibility and volunteer to train those younger ones by going through the preceptorship program. And I think that when it's done voluntarily, instead of how most of these schools do it, where they just throw a bunch of nursing students at you and they're like, guess what? You're going to take these four nursing students today. And it's, you're not a teacher. You know, you came into work to work and to do your job. You weren't expecting to have to educate and train and have all of these guys watching you and have to talk and do at the same time and not get paid anything for it, right? When we right. have to take students, do you get any extra pay for taking those students? No, most they just get time, thrown right. on you. Right. And most of the time, you're the newest one on the unit taking the students. <laughs> I got to, I will tell you the scariest thing I ever witnessed when I was organizing on a campaign was that I went into a, an ICU at this huge hospital and the ICU charge nurse was younger than my kids. Right. And had two and a half years experience, but they were right. running and ICU, and it was terrifying. That's because nobody else wants to do it, though. There is nobody else to do it, and they didn't, they didn't even know enough to be scared. But is it their fault? No. What do you do I mean, when, when the turnover is so rapid that the, the right? oldest nurse on your department is, has only been there two or three and years? Something would have happened, right? Something would have happened. Who would have been the fall guy? It would have been that poor little 24, 25-year-old, right. two-and-a-half-year nurse. Right. So, I mean, you got to protect yourself, but they, you know, we don't show them how to protect yourself. So in your preceptor program, I wanted to be a preceptor. Is there a program you send me through so I know how to be a good preceptor? Yes. And we actually have bedside nurses that participate regionally in drafting that whole entire program so that it's consistent at every Uh facility. And so that you actually have like a rule book to go by. Like, these are the things that I need to know so I can make sure that this nurse gets the tools that they need. And then- if I work at a Kaiser here and I go and become a preceptor at Kaiser, Modesto, Manteca, or somewhere else, the rules are the same. They're similar. I mean, not every know, single there's, hospital there's is a, identical, but yeah. But there's, a, there's a basic foundation. It's there's not like a it's, basic foundation, yes, that we've like already worked on. Change. Yeah, it's not like a drastic change. No, it should be something that you can expect. Hey, if I was a preceptor in Fresno and now I go and I'm working in ICU in Modesto and I want to be a preceptor, I should know how to go through the preceptor program, and these are going to be the expectations. I got you. No, that's good, though. That's the nice thing about having a regional contract is that all 22 facilities have got the same playbook. And so if I, like I'm a new grad nurse, I go through the new grad program, and you tell me you're going to give me 12 weeks of training, it's not going to be 12 hours or 12 days. No. No, because in this little book right here, you can go to a certain page in this contract and it says, if I'm a new grad, this is what I get. And if I'm the preceptor, this is what I get. And if they don't follow this and we disagree, then you have a grievance process to say, hey, wait a minute, I didn't get all the training that I needed. But a nurse has to speak up and again, enforce those things. So that's why we try to catch them early and say, here's your rule book, follow it. I get. And we have classes to teach new nurses too how to use that manual, just like we teach them how to use the drug book, we teach them how to use their union book. Yeah, because most people don't like to read and shit. <laughs> no, most of them never crack the binding. That uh, isn't so, their 
for that. Can't I get it online? Yes. Well, yeah, why don't you? Why don't you look at me, Granny? Look, Granny. Why don't you get to the twenty first century and put all this shit electronically? I was it gonna is ask you. I was gonna <laughs> ask you that. You talking about the ADO and copies and shit? Is the ADO electronic? Not yet, because we See? are working to make it have get the same. Get to the twenty first century, Granny. <laughs> We're working on it, but it, it, there's a lot of stuff that's got to be done to make it legal and binding document. I know, but I think that's the one thing that us seasoned nurses, older nurses, we don't realize that the younger generation doesn't like paperwork and shit. They like electronic shit, and we we balk at it, but that's the way things are going to move. We're yeah. going to be retired or dead soon, and they're going to be one taking over. How do we help them take over if we're not listening to them and using their data and platforms to help them be successful? Well, we laugh that was at the them, one. but yeah, we laugh at them, but I think we're the ones who are fucking the big dummies because we won't embrace the technology which may be a benefit to us too well because we've seen the technology fail us and betray us so many times I that you. so yes we are we did that's one <clears> thing <throat> the pandemic did make us do is learn to embrace some of the technology some bitches are still not embracing it no but we are trying to find ways to incorporate it and use it to the nurse's advantage right not I get that. not to work against us i know i don't um, want and, to and take you know the hospital is always going to find a way to use it against us so well, we need to be smarter. Well, yeah, we got to be smarter. We're smarter, not harder. So hospitals have an organization called the hospital associations, and they are an organization that works for the hospital. We mm -hmm. should have a nurses organization that works for nurses. <laughs> we do. I know. We I, do. <laughs> I wonder what it's called. I wonder. Uh, you can visit it at nationalnursesunited.org down at the bottom of the damn ticker there. All right, so what steps does National Nurses United take to address workplace concerns and conflicts on behalf of its members? So how does the NNU help us? What do they do to address our concerns and our workplace concerns and conflicts? Well, I've already talked about fighting legislation, right? At the local, state, and federal levels. We actually have an entire department of education. So we have nurse educators, and it's not like the nurse educators in your hospitals that are trying right. to feed you the hospital BS or whatever their you know initiatives are. Our educators actually go out there and get information, do research, collect data for us so that when we talk to people like you, we're not talking about a paper asshole. We actually have the data that we need to back it up. We also have, besides our legislative work groups, we have California nurses. Most states have their own union intact. So like California has CNA, the New York nurses, have their NYSNA organization, and then they actually affiliate and belong to the umbrella of NNU. And what you right. get with that is all of those resources that we've spent the last 30 and 40 years compiling. So we have industrial hygienists like Jane Thomason who can actually come to your facility and tell you, you know, what's wrong with your facility and why it's not safe. You know, air handling, things like that. She can teach you all about infection control measures and why the right PPE matters. Right. Yeah. And get through to people about things like vaccinations and actually have data to collect and tell you about that. Because as nurses, we're all scientists. We don't want to just be fed a bunch of crap. You know, we want to see the data. We want to see, did you do your due diligence? And where's the research to back it up? And so that's what NNU is useful for. So is there a way that NNU could use those people that you just mentioned to come and host classes? So not only are you educating about that, then at the same time, you can also drop in and talk about how to become more organized. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of the classes that we have, we actually, all of our educators yeah, but, are Yeah, but you hold right? those classes. Yeah, but you hold those classes for your union members already. I'm talking about hold those classes from those people from non-union members who are hospitals that don't have unions. Maybe they can come in and have a, maybe not in the hospital, but somewhere else around the hospital. Give them a class about what you talked about, air quality, infection control. And then at the same time, use that platform to say, hey, by the way, I'm part of NNU, and this is how we made these changes and maybe grasp people's you know thought process that way yeah that is a good suggestion that makes sense what i'm saying yeah absolutely like like, through, like, like maybe host these classes through a, a central labor council maybe or through a metro council where nurses that are not necessarily in the union but want this information can come and take the class gotcha. not just that not just that but they get information about what you said infection control air quality things like that surgical plume but at the same time, you know that you have the platform of all these nurses who came to get educated, but then you can say, well, here, we're going to talk about the NNU because mm -hmm. the NNU is the one who made this possible. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? I mean, if people yeah. want to stay, they stay. If they don't want to stay, then no harm, no foul, but at least you got a big platform to talk to people. Yeah, there we think go. About that. I don't think about that. All right, my last question here. How does the NNU engage with its members to ensure their voices are heard in decision-making processes? And what mechanisms are in place for member participation and feedback? So if I become a member, how do I know my voice is being heard? And how do I know that you're going to listen to my feedback, not just take my damn money? First thing that we do is we have our National Nurses Magazine that we send out to every single member, right? And what we do is this is where we let people know what's going on. And if we're having an election, which we have elections at every single level, regional, state, national, if you want to be involved and actually that's the only way the union works is if you and i actually do the work but if you're you're willing to volunteer or someone what we say ballin tells you to do it you fill out your paperwork that comes in the magazine to say hey i'm willing to step up and do something and that's where you go and you get onto those you get into the workshops like i got started off just doing things at my own local hospital and then it was like come along with us and let's go to sacramento and go you know raise some hell and then you get dragged along to these other classes and pretty soon, you know, you're in the pipeline and everything is, everything about a union is about communication. You know, we have our WhatsApps, our group me's, our Facebook pages, and we talk to each other face to face all of the time because that's the only way it works. Right. If you live in a silo, you're not part of a union. Right. Well, I mean, it's no different. I mean, I'm part of a couple of associations. We call them association, but it's like a union because we do the same thing. We have meetings. Locally, we have meetings statewide, we have meetings nationally, we have these conferences we go to, we go see our legislation. It's no different than what most people are probably doing in their own type of organizations. It's just instead of helping your area of expertise, you're helping nurses in general make a big change so all of us can have equality and pay and safe patient ratios and taking care of our patients so we don't have to get stressed. So, yeah. Yeah, that's good. All right, so is there anything you want to add before we call it a day? Um, you did awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think the only thing I want to add is that it's because I belong to a union that I've been able to have the great things that I've had. I started off, as I told you, as a baby nurse in Kentucky in a very small rural hospital making $11 an hour. I was shy. I was quiet. And I got my feelings hurt very easily. When I moved out here to Fresno, California, and, you know, it was luck that landed me at Kaiser. But it was the union that grew me and helped me grow a spine 
and a tongue and a backbone and helped me learn that standing up for other people is how I take care of my community. Right. So I got one last question. How the hell did you get from Kentucky to Fresno? That's a big, it's not much of a big change. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? At that time, I didn't know, you know. But what happened was there was a did your national husband, did your, nursing shortage. Did your shortage. husband bring you to Fresno and promise you a rose garden and shit? <laughs> Actually, it was me that dragged my whole entire family. Oh, here. shit. Um, that poor bastard. <laughs> now my ex-husband. Uh, and those oh, children shit. are grown. <laughs> All right. That's good. <laughs> but, yeah, it was actually it was a nurse recruiter that was calling from, oh. I think, Texas. And had right. been calling. And we only, I, I told you, I worked in a very small hospital. We only had 25 right. beds and only two phones. And right, so right. the phone kept ringing back and forth between those two <laughs> units. And I was the one who ended up picking up the phone. And this guy started talking to me and, and saying, you know, hey, you want to get out of your current situation? And I said, sure. And he's like, well, tell me if you could go anywhere in the world, where would you go? And I said, well, anywhere is better than here. And he said, well, then tell me where you wouldn't go. And I said, I will not move to California and I will not move to Alaska. Oh, but let, well, you let you move to California. <laughs> I, it was bad. It was Valentine's Day 2000, and mm. my ex-husband, well, he's now my ex-husband, and I were at the airport getting ready to get on a plane to fly to Jacksonville, Arkansas for a job interview. And while I was at the airport, my recruiter called me and said, do not get on that plane. I know that I told you that this job was it, but and you told me not California, but just hear me out. So he told me, you know, this hospital out there is willing to pay for the whole entire trip. Oh, the tickets already yeah. taken care of. Just go out there. And I, and he, this recruiter had like four job interviews lined up for me in the Central Valley. But, you know, Kaiser was, the one that was paying for everything. Yeah. And so I came out here for a free four day vacation. And I'll tell you, as soon as I saw all of the palm trees and the little cookie cutter houses on McKinley Avenue, was I it. was so happy. I made it my ex husband pull the car over. <laughs> I hugged the palm tree and I've never left. <laughs> I love it. That's good. All right. I mean, it's not bad. I like the Central Valley. I mean, you know, it's nice. It was very welcoming. It's in Kentucky, right? It was similar <laughs> to Kentucky until it got hot. <laughs> right. Right. But it's not bad. It's all right. All right. Well, I appreciate you, Amy. Again, Amy Arlen, Board of Directors for the CNA here. We appreciate you taking the time out. Again, if you have any questions, you can always reach out to her on Facebook, Instagram. And if you have any questions about how the unions can support you, just go to nationalnursesunited.org. Again, just reach out to Amy. All right. Thank you, guys. We appreciate you. Don't miss out. Engage with us weekly. Share your thoughts. And let's transform the nursing landscape together.